and welcome to Inside 50. One week of footy down and what a sensational weekend it was. And we're here to hopefully find a winner in week two and discuss some of the talking points from round number one. A very warm welcome to two superstars, both who decided to do the right thing and play the same amount of games, 305 at the AFL level, Jimmy Bartell and Shane Crawford. And Crawford, open the batting with you because you hit them for not only six in round one, you hit them for 12. You identified the Western Bulldogs as your best bet for the weekend. They got the job done comprehensively against Collingwood. You tipped most of the winners and also, and surprisingly, you're the only one still alive in our knockout tipping competition. <laughs> well, that's the thing that I'm excited about the most is that, yes, we had a knockout competition. First round, as you know, Jimmy's always extremely tough because everyone comes in with a bit of hope. Um, and Jimmy chose who? The Cats. Yep, against the Adelaide Crows, which seems like a certainty. And, Quinny, you chose? The Toothless Brisbane Lions. <laughs> against the Young Swans. And I chose Port Adelaide against North Melbourne. I'm the only one left in the competition. So uh, what, what do I win? I'm so excited. I've never won anything before, so this is pretty good. So what do I win? Do I win something? Yeah, we're going to take you out for a nice lunch oh. at the restaurant of your choice, but that's a bit dangerous because you do do that magnificent postcard show because you know all the expensive restaurants around uh, well, Victoria. Well, I definitely don't go to the uh, – I'd rather go to the pub, to be honest. Uh, but uh, if you're shouting, Quinny, I'll find the most expensive restaurant and then – the next night, we'll obviously go to Jimmy's Shout, <laughs> and maybe we'll head down Geelong Way. So we'll throw in like a, a limo ride down there as yep. well, and we'll go to a nice little watering hole. So that's pretty cool. Be good fun strutting <laughs> Geelong after hours with Jimmy, I reckon. <laughs> you want me to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'd be furious, though, when you look at it. Geelong, Adelaide, what happened to the cats? Like, they just were asleep early? Too slow. Yeah, that's how it looked. Uh, fast track, warm weather. Energy from the Crows, and the reason why I took the Cats is most certainty. The Crows went into that game with nine players under 10 games experience. And you think with the Cats side, they've got unveiling Higgins and Smith and the Coleman medalist there, Tom Hawkins, and everyone's fit and firing, Dangerfield up and about. But the Crows just outworked them in you know, the energy. I know it's how we look for the golden bullet and strategic things, but it just came to work rate and energy. And then they had three players go down. They had, the injury sub get injured himself. <laughs> and Mitch Hinge, his shoulder just kept falling out every time he went to the contest. Um, I heard one Adelaide Crows player ran 17 kilometres. That's the sort of kilometres Shane used to do. He used to make people sick when he played on them, and that's, you know, just ran him into the ground. I probably ran half of that amount. So, and there, there was, wasn't there one in the game that uh, ran about 15 and only got one possession? Yeah, probably. Um, which just shows you the work rate was definitely there. If they can actually get themselves double that, get up to 30Ks, they might get two touches. Yeah, yeah, you've made some bad decisions to run 30Ks yes, for two a, touches. It's a long way for for one possession, but it just showed you they they came to play. They, they were running, they were going fast, and you've just got to be switched on early. You can't afford to just float along. We can overreact to round number one, so I want to look at all the teams that lost and take the biggest positive for each team. What was one team that didn't win, but you're not concerned or you liked what you saw? And I'll open the batting. I think Carlton, they were terrific against Richmond. They made some poor choices both with the ball and without the ball, and that means giving away some silly free kicks and some silly 50s. I think they'll get their head around that new 50-metre rule a little bit better going into week number two. And they just lost a little bit of composure going forward. They missed some goals they should have kicked. And they should have been winning at the 20-minute mark of the final quarter. And then who knows how we're talking about this game. You pick up the scoreboard paper and you say Richmond won by 25 points. But that didn't reflect the game. I think there's lots to like about the Blues. And I think they'll beat Collingwood this week. Possibly. Uh, but it's been the same Blues over the last few years where we know that they, they're working quite hard. But 
It's just that polish. That's where they're lacking. Inside 50s, we know that Richmond dominated. So you've got to be careful with that. I'm a fan of the Blues. I think they're heading on the right track, but it's that finishing. And that's that's what you need in players these days. If you can't, you know, three or four possessions and then that, that last possession's a good inside 50, it puts a lot of pressure on. So, yes, give me effort. We saw with Melbourne last year, the first three or four games, they had great effort, but they couldn't crunch it for a win. I just hope Carlton aren't the same. And they've got Collingwood on the rebound, still side bottom comes back in. I think a lot of people are dropping off Collingwood a bit too early. They're a very good team. They've been a good team for the last few years. So... I just think you've got to be careful. Are you going to make it? <laughs> We're going to obviously start our uh, little game again. So are you telling me you're going to make Carlton your certainty this week? No, I won't make them my oh. certainty, but we're going to do another one where we take a team at the line each week and there's every chance I take the Blues with the plus four and a half. Right. It's not bad. But the only thing for me with the Blues is when the game got tight and tense, they reverted back to some old habits. And that was when they won the ball back across halfback, they turned boundary. Now the game is opening up for everyone between the arcs. And they went slow around the boundary. Last year, Carlton went around the boundary from their back half 60% of the time. When you're playing sides like Richmond, who set up so well behind the ball, you've done all the hard work, which is super, is intercept the footy really high at half back. That's your chance to go and be brave and get into the forward line. And I, I think just every now and then they just reverted back to some old habits. But you, you touched on it, Quinny. Some 50-metre penalties, and it's just a little bit of polish on the end. And who knows? They could have caused the upset, but Richmond just seemed to have them at arm's length. Once they got the the lead, they had them at arm's length. But probably my lucky loser or unlucky loser for the round was Gold Coast Suns. Like, I know West Coast is a powerful, experienced side, but the old Gold Coast Suns going to Perth, getting down by a little margin, that would have been 80-point loss. Four-length games. And we thought, oh, we saw a little bit last year, and we thought, oh, is it the shorter quarters, the younger side can just hang in there, and then they get to the siren each quarter, but there's some real grit and steel about this young group. Yeah, I'm talking about they've always been a young group, but the, the Matt Rowell, Lacocious, that age group demographic coming in and mixing it with you know, a couple of the, the older stages that have been there at the Suns for a little bit. There's just a, a little bit more strength, I reckon. I, I don't think they roll over, and I think this year you're going to have to beat the Suns, and we know they're a lot better in the first half of the year. They're not just going to show up and be a 10-goal you know, victory against them. The one thing about the Suns, though, they have a history of starting the season really well and then dropping off significantly. Do you think they're going to be able to be consistent throughout the course of the year and still provide the same nuisance factor in Week 16 than they do in Round 2? Well, that's their next step. I don't think they've ever won after the bye. Look, uh, I'm saying that as a joke, but I actually think uh, their record is like they've only had one win after the bye. It's because they've been so young. They're trying to... You know, build them up through pre-season. And by the time they hit round eight, it's almost like they've played a full season anyway. That's the next step from being a club that's sort of right down the bottom to being an average club. I'm not saying they're going to be a finals contender or anything like that, but it's those incremental steps they've got to take. I, I think they can sneak towards the finals this year. I did watch them train a few times this year or just during the pre-season. And there's a few old Hawthorne players down there you know, steering the ship, uh, Stewie Jew, obviously, and, and Timmy Clark, who's a good Geelong fella, but uh, he was at Hawthorne for a while. And, and you know, when he's impressed, I'm impressed because he's a very hard little man to impress. I mean, he's all about work ethic and, and stuff like that. But I think they've got the depth now. And the, the great thing about the Gold Coast Suns, if you're ever going to coach a team, you want to coach them because if you can get all the young kids ticking along and a couple of years in the system, which a lot of them are, and they can improve at the same time, you will get a pretty dramatic improvement. So you will start winning games in the second half of the season. You will be competitive when you go into state against better teams. And 
I just think this could be a real moving year for the Gold Coast Suns, even with Matt Rowe going out, which is a, a big blow. But I just think, I just think they've got some great depth, and I just think they're in a positive frame of mind with how they're going to attack this year. They finished fourteenth last year, higher or lower than fourteenth this year. I'm a bit with Shane. I, I think. Yeah, twelfth would be a nice little step. Even ch- knock on the door f- of the eight coming up to the bye. That's where we want them. We want them like hassling the eight, I guess, at the midpoint of the year. We want them coming to Melbourne and beating teams. You know, really taking them on. We know they can run. They can definitely run. And they they're young kids. They're the top end talent that you've got. You know, in the competition all around the country. So if you can, I'm putting it all onto the coaches. If you can train them well and get them into good habits. And, you know, off the field as well, get them in good habits. I think the sky's the limit. You know, we, we see with the Gold Coast sides in all different sports, never really successful. But I think this team has the ingredients to, you know, defy what's happened in the past. Now, you two played for clubs that it meant the world to people. I'm sure when Jimmy played in that drought-breaking premiership for the next, probably to still this day, you have people coming up with tears in their eyes and talking to you about what that day meant. And Crawford, not dissimilar for you because the Hawks had a lot of success in the 80s and 90s, but then it went barren for a long period of time. That's something the Gold Coast Suns, through no fault of their own, simply don't have. What does that play on your mind, that 5%, 10%, knowing that it just means the absolute world to people? And what can Gold Coast do to potentially get people coming through? And it might take 10 years, 20 years, 30 years to have that real passion in the club. Well, it's success. That's the thing. They've done some great stuff off the field, uh, the Gold Coast Suns. They've built up... I guess the love of AFL football in that corridor in the southeast coast of Queensland there, but they just need the Suns to be ticking along. Yeah, we've all got kids; they love winners, and as soon as the Suns start winning, they start buying the jumper. They start going, "Oh, can I go to games?" And it builds up that supporter base, and it does take some time. But yeah, you know, when they're getting belted every week, they're probably going along to the footing, going, "Well, what side did they play? Did they play the Hawks, the Bombers, the Cats, whoever?" And they go. Well, I want to throw one of those jumpers on because kids love winners. What Gold Coast have done establishing themselves, they've had a lot of people who've done all the hard yards, you know, and they deserve to be still involved with the club. But I think, you know, with Stuart Dew coming in, into the club and, and Mark Evans coming into the club, it's like they've said, thanks very much, but now we're sort of, we're starting with a new fresh bunch, you know, from coaches, admin, all that, and we're a different club now. So it's it's like they've made all those changes They've got the list that they want and they're happy with, and now they go to work. So, Jimmy's right. You've got to start winning. You've got to, you know, win consistently, play well at home. And we know they can play pretty well at home, but it's just that next step of travelling and playing well and, and being in a different environment. But I'm pretty bullish about the way they're going to go about it. Who was a team that was beaten round one that you were impressed with? Actually, believe it or not, I thought North Melbourne were pretty good early against Port Adelaide. I think Port Adelaide are obviously one of the favourites. They've got great depth at the moment. They came to play, and I thought what was good in that match is North Melbourne gave it to them early and showed a bit of fight and showed a bit of class at times and a bit of a hard edge, and it's sort of like it kicked Port Adelaide really into gear, and we saw the very best of what Port Adelaide have got. So I was pleasantly surprised that North Melbourne are going to make it hard for teams this year, even though they're lacking a bit of talent. The flip side to that is... I thought North was pretty competitive. They played well early. They had a mini lead early. They were competitive throughout, and yet they still lost by 52 points. So what's going to happen on the games where that intensity drops off a little bit because they just don't have the cattle, Jimmy? Well, they're not going to play Port Adelaide every week, so that's a good thing. Yeah, and at at the Dome, you can get punished for turnovers. And and Croft's right. They did use the ball well early, but then too many turnovers seeped in, and the speed at which Port can go out, they've got kicking ability and skill, so they made them... They punished them on the rebound, sorry. So, 
yeah, they're not going to play the power, but that that's what Dave Noble were going. Like, first quarter and a bit, that's where you need to be. This is what happens when you're not. It, it's, it makes it easy to coaching instruction because you can show it all within one game. Okay, let's flip it around. A team that was beaten on the weekend that you're like, ooh, they're not that good or this might be a long season or maybe everyone's a little bit overhyped about this team. I just had some concerns with, with Freo. I thought they were going to be a big improver. And all these injuries, now that, that's been a big factor because their first half against Melbourne, Nat Fife around the ball, uh, Melbourne just had their way against Freo. Like, Stephen May was the game wrecker. Like, he was extraordinary. He did what, you know, Jeremy McGovern's done for the Eagles in the last five years. It was almost just kick. You might as well have just gone and handed the ball to him at centre-half back. That's what he was sort of doing. But it took Nat Fife going forward, which then meant Stephen May had to take him, which then meant Tabner got a, a better match-up for him to get involved in the game. And then that allowed those three young mids who are going to be absolute guns of the game, uh, Sarong, Brayshaw and Chera, to really get motoring in the midfield. But they've just got so many injury concerns. And unfortunately, Alex Pierce goes down again. And not many people in Victoria... Uh, would know much about Alex Pierce, but this guy, when he was fit, he was tracking to be an All-Australian centre-half back. He just, his body keeps letting down, which is unfortunate, and hopefully he gets back, but I, I don't think we have got to see the very best of him. And we might never, unfortunately. Yeah, he just, he's just one of those unlucky guys. Like, he goes into a contest and he's the one laying on the ground. The concern for mine is, could Matt Rao fall into that bracket now, or are we just hoping it's two fluky injuries that there's no lingering ramifications? I, I don't think so, you know, sometimes. Because there's so much of a focus, and you've got to remember, really, like he played a, three or four games, and um, there's a lot of hype around it. So I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think sometimes, you know, you obviously need a bit of luck because it's such a competitive game. And, you know, there's sometimes you, you cop massive corkies, you cop little injuries along the way. It goes in twos and threes, and then you can have a run where, you know, what Sean Burgoyne, didn't miss a game for 10 or 11 years, you know, and he came to Hawthorne with a bad knee and someone who they thought they might get two or three years out. So it's, I just think, you know, all you got to do is keep rocking up, keep preparing really well. It doesn't help that he gets in and gets it and, you know, he's got guys hanging off him all the time and it's pretty physical. But Jimmy Bartell used to play like that and he, he, he got 305 games out. So I just think it goes in runs, and I think it'll be okay. Shane, who was the team you were pretty underwhelmed with? Well, I was very disappointed in Essendon, to be honest, against my beloved Hawks. They obviously lost by a point, but they're up by 40 points at one stage. Yes, they had some younger players, but Hawthorne, you look at half their team, you wouldn't know half the team. And I wasn't expecting Hawthorne to win because it's a, a bit of a transition year. They're missing Jack Gunston. They're missing Chad Wingard, and there was a few others as well. So... I was disappointed that they allowed a team to come back from 40 points down and win. You know, they obviously went in at half time, And the problem is you go in at half time and you give each other a pat on the back and go, well done, we're going well. And you start to believe, gee, how good's this? And there was a few things that went their way in that second quarter. And then Hawthorne, well, I always knew Hawthorne would come back at some stage, but, you know, maybe a couple of goals. But before you knew it, they were right back in the game, and I just thought that was a very, very disappointing loss for the Essendon Football Club. That was one that they should have banked the four points, uh, even if you allow Hawthorne to come back a little bit, but not to uh, let the game go out of your hands. So I was very disappointed. I was happy the Hawks won, but I was very disappointed with what I saw from that point of view, especially when you look at the class level of the Hawthorne side to the one that played on the weekend, to the one that played three or four years ago. It was probably going from Group 1, dropping down to 
a benchmark 58. <laughs> I was going oh, to see how low you went. It's, it's, oh, I thought you were going to say group three. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's dropped down a fair bit, being honest, you know, with where they're at. But they'll be highly competitive. So, yeah, I think a bit of work needs to be done, especially when you start to go okay. Is like how do we stay and not drop too far off? Now, each week we like to discuss the Brownlow medal. We've won two between the three of us. And Dustin Martin, the big market mover after the weekend, $9 into six, thanks to our producer Luke for smirking at my little gag there. <laughs> Patrick Cripps, a $7 chance. Lockie Neal, eight with Nat five. Travis Spoke, the big firmer, $18 into ten. Dusty Martin, would he potentially have got the six votes last Thursday night? Will they give him the three, two, and one? Pretty much. And it's just made for him the, the speed of ball movement now when he goes forward. Like, he doesn't get beaten in one-on-one contests, and he's just winning the ball. He goes up through the, the midfield, and he's going to be like a 25-possession game but have, you know, three, four goals each week. And if you hit the scoreboard as a midfielder or you're part of those attacking forays, you just you just capture the umpire's attention. So he might end up having a year, when you look at the end of it, like his Brownlow year or, you know, when Junior, he was averaging 28, and I think he nearly kicked 41 year. It'll probably be one of those years where he wins the Brownlow. He's a... F- Freak, really, isn't he? He's quite incredible. And the impact he can have, even if he's been a little quiet there for a patch. I just don't, I don't know. So the, I, I just can't work out why these guns don't. I, I think as AFL footballers, we're too nice these days. I saw on the weekend there was moments where players are charging towards the ball. They have every right to wipe everyone out because it's fair and it's in play, yet they choose to dance around and jump around to the side of packs and I just think we're too nice with the very best players as well. We give them space to get into the game early. Like back when Jimmy used to play and I used to play, back when there was horse and cart, <laughs> you used to get your hard tag early, you get no time, no space. You know, you just knew that, oh, it's, I'm going to have to really work and work and work. Whereas, I don't know, opposition teams are just giving these good players space. They're giving them the ball, allowing them to make some decisions. The very best players, I reckon you've got a Dustin Martin this week against the Hawks. You know, Daniel Howe, he's got to go and just be at his negating very best and just go everywhere with him. Just try that initially early anyway. Yes, it throws a bit of structure out, but seriously, they go on about structure all the time, but you, you want to stop the influence of the very best player. I just think clubs are very nice. They're shaking hands before the start of games. How you going? They're smiling at each other. This is war. We're on here. I want to take you down. I want to give you no space. I'm going to be in your face everywhere you go. You're going to have the worst night of your life. That doesn't happen. It's like, yeah, I'll give you a high five at the end of the game and off we go. I don't know. I'm just, I just want it to be, I want it to be like war. <laughs> you need to add to that, Jim? Yeah, the, the difficult thing to, on top of that, is actually having a player capable. Now, yeah. Hawthorne have got Daniel Howe. He's actually got the physical capabilities. Like, he's tall enough, he's big enough, and that ability to go midfield, forward. Like, we've heard uh, Damien Hardwick and the Richmond coaching staff just saying, we don't really coach him. He just, if he wants to come up on ball, he comes up on ball. If he wants to go deep to the goal square, so you need someone who's got actually that capability to do both. Now, and mentally as well. Yeah, like, and mentally switched on. They're disciplined. They're not worried about getting the ball themselves. So it's a lot of things you've got to tick off to do it well. The Giants have actually got a player who's done it really well on him a couple of times in Matt DeBoer. Like he's super disciplined. He's physically strong. He can play down back and play midfield. But if you go across the competition, there's not too many like physically and you know, smart enough or disciplined enough to do it. Now, if they do have that capability, they're normally actually your best player anyway. So that, that, that's where um, everyone goes, oh, just put a tagger. And it's, oh, love the concept and idea, but who? 
Yeah, you've you got to have the right one. And I reckon clubs are finally in the draft starting to, with their later picks, pick some of those players who can be real role players and real negating type because you look through, you know, a lot of sides that have done extremely well over long periods. They've all got a player who can who can be a bit of a, a hard ass, someone who can be in your face, someone the opposition hate, opposition players hate, opposition supporters hate, but you need them. You need those role players. You need someone to go, guess what? I'm going to follow you everywhere you go today. I'm going to make it as hard as I possibly can. Yes, you're a superstar, but, you know, as long as you've got your teammates helping out as well, which it's pretty hard to just allow it to one person. But I just think, I, I don't know, I think we've gone too nice and I think we coach on structure too much. I just, if I was coaching, and that's probably why I don't coach, because <laughs> I've probably got no idea, but I would be going, okay, I don't want him to run around in the first half of the game. And Dangerfield, I don't want him running around the first half of the game, getting a kick, feeling good about themselves. I want them to realise, guess what, you want a kick today, you've got to earn it. Now, Ryan Crowley's the one that springs to mind, a player that just did everything so well. And it surprises me that he was drafted at 55. I thought it might have been lower than that. But a bloke that probably doesn't stand out in terms of what they did at the under-18s level, but really good teams need a player like that. And if more players can sacrifice trying to get the ball, they're going to make a great career. Your skipper, Cameron Ling, was probably the exception to the rule because he would shut down and win his own footy. Yeah, and he was part of a midfield that was super attacking as well. And But his first job, though, was to shut down. And we tried to get the ball to Lingy as well. Like, he could win it himself, but we felt if Lingy was tagging Croft, if he can have a few touches, maybe it might get Croft thinking a bit, well, hang on, I just can't run around and do whatever I like. So that, that's the way we like to play it. And Lingy was a very good forward as well. So that's why he liked to push forward. And, and as a tagger, if you kick a goal on your tag, well, then everyone gets around and goes, oh, he's got you, to, got you today. But um, Steve Baker was another one, which St Kilda yeah. drafted as a just a hard nut, in-your-face tagger or small defender. But what happens as well in today's footy, they start as taggers. But then they start to win a bit of footy and they graduate from it. So Jack Steele uh, on the weekend for the Saints, he's, he was a run with hard-nosed player, but he became a very good ball winner himself. Now he's just a, like a super ball winner, all Australian. And Coniglio tagged him out of the game in the second half. Well, he, his role, he formed his reputation of not a hard tag, but he'd take the opposition's best and go head for head. He went back and did that on the weekend and probably played as good a game he's played in the last you know, 18 months. Best tagger you played on? Uh, a couple of good ones. Um, I, I'd get corn sometimes from, from Point Adelaide. He'd try and win the footy. Um, he, he was very good. Always used to get uh, one of the Carr brothers when uh, Port Adelaide and, and Freo, they'd try and take it up to you a bit. Yeah, Josh Carr was all... Kane Corns I thought was really good because, as Jimmy said, they'd feed the ball through him, and especially when the, the Port Adelaide were doing really well when... And we weren't, um, so it's like, oh, my goodness. Um, and But he had that great flexibility. He could go hard tag or he could go ball winner as well, um, which is pretty unique. But he can – I thought he was he was one of the better ones. But, like, back in the day, I remember, like, Liberatore went to a tagging role and, and Jose Romero for the Bulldogs. Like, every team you'd come up against, there was someone every week waiting for you, you know. So it's where mentally you've got to go, do you know what, I've got to work. I've got a better role than them because guess what? They've got to chase all day and be reactive, whereas I've just got to keep working, keep attacking the footy. And it's when you you try and get the good fancy ball, not necessarily the hard ball, that's when they can get a hold of you because you've got to go and get your own kick and it's very hard to stop that if you're winning your own footy. When you Sorry, Quinny, whenever you'd play the Swans, they almost had a strict man-on-man yeah. everywhere. Yep. So it's like you'd come off, your direct opponent come off, and they'd almost play... 
that's your matchup for the day. We can try and win yep. as many matchups across the ground. And Brett Kirk, how, how much footage of Brett Kirk did you see just climbing all over the opposition player every week? And you know what? They said he was the heart and soul of the side. He wasn't the best player, but he just led by example. Now, I'm not suggesting taggers are dirty, but can you think of a player or two and you oh. play on them or they play on you more specifically? And three or four days later, you go, oh, that hurts, and you'd see a bruise in a spot where you had no idea how you'd get a bruise there. Scratches and pinches. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. So um, Name and shame. Oh, no. Like, well, definitely Jose Romero back in the day. Like, I th- yeah, you know, definitely there was there was a few scratches and, you know, you think, what's what's going on there? But it was all the wrestling and, you know, just forcing you into parts of the ground that you don't want to go. But but I actually respected what the tagger actually had to do. So I, I sort of knew pretty much every week, okay, I'm going to get someone trying to knock my head off or someone trying to tag me out of the game. So, okay. And then when I'd play against a team and they wouldn't tag me, I'd get offended. I'm like... They, they obviously don't rate me because they're not tagging me today. So, um, But I actually respected the, the job that they had to do because I wanted players just like them to be in our team to go, okay. And we, and we used to have like a guy called Tony Woods who'd just do the job. He'd just follow the very best players around. He'd annoy them. He'd just go about forcing them into parts of the ground they didn't want to go. And I just think you've got to have a player like that in your team, you know, and if you don't have one, you've got to find one. You know, find one of the fittest guys you can and train them. So, listen, you're not in our best team at the moment, so I need to find a role, I think maybe this, and see if they've got what's needed. Name of shame. Uh, there were some really good ones, but always you always have to be wary of whenever you play the Lions, Jamie Charman, the Ruckman, because he'd know <laughs> who'd have the tag and they'd, they'd yell out. And he was all elbows, knees. He was... Like, it was actually Shane Mumford before Shane Mumford. He was the Captain Risky of the competition. Like, you'd go past him and yep. there'd be, he'd be everywhere. He was a monster of a human being and strong and he'd tackle you to ground and he'd be laying on top of you and be getting up, standing on top of your feet, hands and all sorts of It's all of part stuff. of the game. You're not yeah. allowed to do that these days. We're no. too nice, Quinny. Too nice. You've got to do something about this show. Like, seriously, I was watching the Carlton-Richmond match and I just thought there was moments there where we were just, both teams were just too nice, not physical like they could be, and it was all a part of the game. It, it was all within the rules. Can body spoil, which is a real art. Some players really know how to punch the ball and they know how to really make players feel the uh, the pressure coming, whereas I was just a bit disappointed. I just think we're being too nice. Like, we, we need to get back to making it tough out there. I think if you played AFL football today, you would love it because everyone gets a kick. You can run around, feel good about yourself. Off to next week you go. That's what I feel from watching. How good would it be playing halfback these days? Oh my goodness! It just as long, it's almost like the mindset of some halfbacks out there is like, as long as they don't kick more than two, <laughs> that's all right. You can have your two and twenty. I'll I'll try and get thirty. I know he's taken every mark of the year since he's played, and he has fifteen nominations a year. But with that kick in, and it's so predictable. Jeremy Howe's going to take his biggest hanger ever. Because if it's late in a quarter and everyone slowly moves over the wing, he knows where it's going. He's just going to let the pack just form there. You wait. There'll be round 13 or 14 somewhere there. Might be next week. Might be next week. But you'll literally be standing on heads and everyone will be below him. Yep. Well, it'll have to be good to beat Toby Green's grab from the weekend. Play on. Huge. Goes high, big mark taken, and I think it will be paid. Great grab for Green. Win early, 
tiny little touch on the neck, but not enough to be <laughs> awarded against him. That's just a great How mark, isn't that? He's a superstar. Great timing. Brian well Taylor, done, a man Tony. that gets very, very excited at the best of time. I heard a rumour that he got so excited he blew the microphone out, and that's why his call didn't go to air. And a few people were like, why was it so quiet post that mark? Yeah, a few technical issues going on uh, early doors uh, for seven, and he was disappointed he couldn't drop one of his usual boy or boy wowies or everything else <laughs> like that. But unbelievable mark, full stop. And then in those conditions, and they were big boys he was on. I think it was the Ruckman dropping back and Dougal Howard, who's head he sat on. So, great grab from young Tobes. Will it be mark of the year, yes or no? no it's round one. Yes or no? Well, it currently is, yes. I'm saying it will be mark <laughs> of the year. I don't think anyone will beat that. It was an absolute super mark. He went Jeremy twice. Howell. Jeremy, Jeremy Howe. Jeremy Howe. And I'm telling you, he'll be centre wing at the MCG and he'll be sitting yeah. on. And he'll have a run up, so, yeah. which is perfect, so he can launch on the top. Yeah, he, he'll get there. And I still don't know how, um, you know, a few years ago he didn't win mark of the year. But uh, anyway. Neither does he. He's still not yeah, over that one. Yeah, he's <laughs> flat about that. <laughs> so he should be. Yeah. I mean, very flat. You take a mark like that and you can't get mark of the year. Yeah, you want the award. Now, Thursday night footy. Should be an absolute cracker when Carlton and Collingwood do battle. What are your thoughts here, gents? Well, um, I do like the Blues' effort. I but do you're, think... not rating, you're not writing Collingwood off like a lot of people. No, no, no. I'm not writing them off yet. No way. They, uh, they played the Bulldogs. We all have the Bulldogs up high in our thoughts, you know, especially with the midfield dominance that they can have. It's just whether or not they, uh, they don't stuff around with it too much. I just see, you know, a lot of people are, are really pointing the finger at Collingwood with, you know, oh, you know, they don't look like the side of the last few years. It takes a little bit of time to get going. I think Steel Sidebottom coming back in is really important because I think he's he's their best decision maker when he gets the footy. Um, so I, I wouldn't write him off just yet. That's why I can't confidently predict this week because I think both teams have got a lot to play for. The Blues are wanting to show they're improving, but they still lack a bit of class at times, I think, although... The young GWS fella comes in this week. Yeah, Zach Williams. So he'll be awesome off the half back. He'll get plenty of the footy. He might even play a bit on ball. So he'll he'll be good. You've got Sard as well. So they'll get a bit of run and class through there. I just wouldn't write off Collingwood just yet. I just think they're a pretty good club. They, they've got a good coach who's been there a long time and he's got a good structure in place. He's got a good blend of old and new. So I wouldn't write him off yet and I can't. You think they've got a good mix of old and new, do you? Because I don't think they've got that. And I think they let well, some key talent walk out the door for absolutely nothing. And well, now too much pressure goes on the likes of Sidebottom at 30 and Pendlebury at 33. Yes. Jordan so that's Degoe. the old, Grundy, older. They're pretty good. And then you're looking at the younger generation. You know, you, you've, got, you've got a couple of guys in there, you know, whether it be Brown or, or Dacos. You've got some of the young talent through. Moore's a star. Um, so I still think they've got a pretty good blend. Jordan Dugowie, what did you make of his performance and what does he need to do to really take that next step this season? Well, they just got overwhelmed as a midfield group. Well, they couldn't get their hands on it. And then once uh, the doggies got it, they just linked up, chained up. They nearly had 4,500 possessions between them. Uh, they, they were just beaten well and truly in the midfield. But for me, Collingwood, with side bottom coming in, I'd love for one of Pendlebury or side bottom to be that high half forward role. Because for me, it's still that connection going forward. And that was my issue with them when we were uh, talking about how they'd go this year. It's still that last kick inside forward 50, and that's worth its weight in gold now. We've seen sides who are defending deeper because of all the new rules. You've got to give up something. So it's almost like between the arcs, sides are going, right, we'll leave the space there, but we'll force you to make a really good kick coming inside forward 50. And Collingwood, their back six was fantastic. We mentioned Moore, 
how Maynard, their back six defended unbelievably well. So they get out, but you want Pendlebury or Sidebond to be that last kick inside forward 50, which would, that will give them a little bit more potency. You know, do they pick them the long option to big Mason Cox or a lot of those mid-sized forwards, whether it's Degoe forward, Hoskin Elliott, Thomas. I just feel like that ball use, that last kick, say, 70 metres to goal, what, what lets them down a fair bit. But I think Carlton's just got a few more known quantities across the field. And they, they showed a lot of really good signs against the Tigers, as Shane uh, alluded to. Zach Williams will help them play with a little bit more dash and dare. And I think when the moments get bigger, Carlton have got to try and get rid of what's happened in the last 10 years and be braver. And I, I think that gives them a better opportunity. So who are you tipping? I'm tipping the Blues. Me too. And I am as well. Um, but no confidence. No confidence because I just think we need to give Collingwood a bit more respect because they've, they've earned it over the last few years. So I think I need to see them for a few more games. But I'll tell you what, that Bulldogs-Collingwood match, the best recruit for the year is Stefan Martin. Mate, he, he is you, – you watch him in the finals last year for the Brisbane Lions. The amount of blocking and stuff that he did off the ball was just out of this world. And from a team aspect, he's, his impact is going to be huge for what he does for his team. And you hear the, the players talk about him, what he does. And I reckon, um, yeah, I reckon he's going to give the Bulldogs every chance of being right there at the end. Friday night, we go to the Cattery. Geelong up against Brisbane. The loser will be 0-2 and two to start the season. Ooh. Did yeah. Geelong bounce back at home, slow the game down and grind out a victory? Yep. Cats off the rebound, back at home. Bad loss for them. Morals? Yeah. Pardon? Morals? Yes. Yep. yep. So I think we're doing a line challenge a little bit later, Quinny. So this will be my game for the line, which we'll, we'll talk about that. But, yeah, they can defend. They 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 squeeze the ground really well. They played the territory game there at uh, GMHBA better than most. And, yeah, Joe Danaher had a, a good showing. But... You know, Blitzarf's just playing back. Play him on, on the best uh, opposition tall forward. You're playing back. He takes Danaher. I'll just try and work him under the ball. And then you force somebody else to beat you. Now, Charlie Cameron's had good games against the Cats, but it's a bit harder to find space in the forward 50 down there at Geelong than up at the Gabba. You'd always find a bit of space. So you obviously know the... I wasn't uh, as quick as Charlie or as skillful. The areas to go. But um, I think, you know, at home, the Cats almost unbeatable, especially when they're on. And they're going to be on this week because I'm sure they're going to cop a bit of a, a roasting during the week from Chris Scott, just not mentally being there last week. So they'll be on. The Geelong supporters will be behind them and they, they play that ground so well. They're just almost impossible to come through the middle and take them on. As much as I love antagonising James, I just feel that Adelaide just jumped them a little bit in that second quarter. A few quick goals, moved the ball so well, were playing with so much confidence and after that, Geelong still nearly found a way to get back and give it a chance of winning. So I was certainly not concerned with Geelong. But I was a little bit with Brisbane. The way that they started well at home, Lockie Neal was very, very quiet in that first half. I know he ended up with 24 disposals. But I think gone are the times where teams sort of think, I'll let him get it. He won't hurt us. Now they're trying to shut him down. And Sydney did a really good job of that. Yeah, well, it's like we are talking about. If you can close down Lockie Neal, you force somebody else to beat you. I think they went through a bit of that stage last year, as you mentioned, where, oh, he can get it, he can get it. And they went, hang on, he's starting to cut us to ribbons. He's taking territory, pushing forward. He's having inside forward 50s. Now sides are like, well, if we can at least just limit him a little bit, who's going to be the next one to to hurt us as well? Um, the matchup on Tom Hawkins is important for the Lions. We know uh, Big Tommy was well held by uh, young Butts there. Uh, for the crowbars, and I don't think he ever serves up two bad ones 
any rate, it wasn't bad, but he kept him in the game. But I can just see the big hawk being really dominant. The Cats will have a couple out. Of course, Dangerfield going to the tribunal. Menegola with his shoulder as well. But they've got, they've got some depth on their list. Now, not only are we going to have another crack at doing our last man standing by tipping a team to win this week, Shane Crawford victorious in round one. We're also going to take a look at the line in each game and pick out our best bet there. We've got Carlton and Collingwood with Carlton minus four and a half. Geelong up against Brisbane with the Cats minus nine and a half. Sydney against Adelaide with the Swannies minus 16 and a half. Port Power versus Essendon with the line 32 and a half. Then we have St Kilda, Melbourne with the line at nine and a half. St Kilda at the minus, in case you were wondering there. Gold Coast up against North Melbourne, the line 18 and a half with Gold Coast at the minus. Then we've got Hawthorne, Richmond, the line 29 and a half with the Tigers at the minus. The Western Bulldogs, West Coast, the Doggies, the slight favourite here with the line eight and a half. And then round two concludes with Fremantle against GWS, the line there two and a half with the Giants at the plus. Your best selection at the line this week, James Bartell. Uh, thank you, Nicholas Quinn. Uh, I'm going to go to the Cats to win by 10 points or more because it's nine and a half points and they're at the minus. So I think if they win, they normally win pretty well when they're down there at GMHBA. I, as we've touched on, they'll be up and about. Um, yeah, Brisbane will play better, but I just think Geelong at home, off a, off a bad loss, they'll be smarting. Shane? Uh, it's tricky, isn't it? It's tricky. I'm going to go the Swans against Adelaide. I just think they emerged last year, and I was really impressed with their year, even though they didn't win a lot of games, but they played so many kids that gave them exposure to the highest level. And uh, obviously Adelaide coming off a win, um, which is great, great for the competition, but, you know, they're relying on Tex Walker. What did he kick four, five, five, five goals, two, you know, and I just don't think he's going to do that every week. So I think the Swans can win and win pretty convincingly this week. I just think you look at their their better players on the weekend were all young kids. You know, their their very best players weren't in their better players. And not only that, Buddy Franklin comes back this week. So all of a sudden that's another couple of goals because the energy, you know, he'll be up and about. He kicks a few goals. These young kids are gonna go, how good's this? I'm playing with Buddy Franklin. That'll be you know, probably half the team's first time they've played with him. So I just think that's gonna add a great deal too. So I reckon I'm confidently predicting the Swans to have a very good win. I'm going with Carlton plus four and a half against Collingwood. I think they can win this game, and I like the fact we're getting a couple of points as insurance. Okay, here's the fun one. Jimmy and I, safe to say we didn't quite hit the ground running in this competition. In fact, we bombed out round one. Croft is the champion for first-time listeners. We simply have to pick a team to win, and you can't pick that team again the following week, or you can't tip against a team twice in a row. Shane Crawford as the defending champion. Can you open the batting? Well, I'm going to live on the edge a bit this oh. week, but I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the Swans against the Adelaide Crows, who obviously had a good win. So uh, both undefeated for the year. It's a bit risky, but. Um, no, I, I just like the way the Swans are tracking it. Jimmy? The Port Adelaide pair for me to beat the Bombers. Um, you heard Ollie Wines today saying they even copped a spray for their first half against uh, the Kangaroos and they weren't up to scratch and then they kicked into gear. I don't think they'll allow that to happen. They'll be a hard-nosed professional unit and they'll beat the Bombers. Beautiful. Fingers crossed there. I'm going to keep it simple, stupid, and I'm going to go for Richmond against Hawthorne. The Tigers will beat them. And I'm going to save some face. We're going to run a competition for our fan base this week. New competition. Hopefully it takes off well. We've got some great prizes to give away. We're going to play a nearest a pin. You've got to tweet in or write on the Facebook or Instagram under the podcast. The winning team and the margin. And it's a closest to pin. And the game I selected, Carlton Collingwood Thursday night. So send us your suggestion there. 
you two gents are not eligible for the prize. We're paying you so much to appear. We can't give you the prize as well. If you were participating, what would you go? Carlton, 13 points. Oh, Carlton, nine. Lucky nine for me. There we go. So anyone out there, you can take the advice no confidence, of though. those two no. no confidence in that game. Now, final thing before we wrap it up. Is there an upset this weekend? Are you looking at the markets and you're thinking, gee, that team shouldn't be favourite? How is Frio favourite against GWS? Or the Western Bulldogs look short against West Coast? Or all of the above? Jimmy Bartell, you're going to tip the Giants to bounce back and get a win? Maybe lay some tackles this week after they were out-tackled 72-46 to against the Saints. (laughs) Yeah, that was a setback, especially (laughs) in the wet weather. Yeah, actually, that was the game I was going to tip for the upset. Um, look, Freo, I've got a stack of injuries. Uh, Nat Five might have to play a lot more forward with those injuries because he helps uh, their forward line. But I did see uh, still a lot of positives from the Giants. So coming off the year, they did. Some key players got some form back. Um, it was just some decision-making at the wrong time that, that cost them. And get over there in the West, they'll get a good win. I'm pretty boring as well. I'm going the Giants. I was pushing them hard for round one against the Saints. But um, I, do, I do feel that the rain interfered a bit. But, yeah, I think they're going well. I really do. I think they're going well. And I think you could, although it's over there, isn't it? I, th- I think they'll find a way to win, um, although Frio are different at home. But, anyway, you've got to have a go. So I'm sticking with Jimmy. One team's going to be feeling really good about themselves at 2-0 and after a tough start to the season, and that's St Kilda or Melbourne. Who do you like in this one? I do like the Saints. Um, I do like the Saints because I like the way they were, they were tracking. Yeah, they've got a few injuries, but... I, I think that win on the weekend is really just going to make them really believe that they're here and ready to go for this year. Not necessarily, you know, just playing the year out and seeing what happens. All of a sudden, they'll be believing in themselves, having a win like that when they they weren't favoured. So I think that'll springboard them. It's at Marvel Stadium, normally pretty good at home, and they play a fast style of footy. So I think... I think they can win the Saints at home. That's Marble Stadium Saturday night. You're spot on. Uh, it just depends how many Saints come back, especially in their forward group. I thought Tim Membry was unbelievable yesterday, but I think the Ds have got enough def- in their defensive group to ca- smother him and the other um, lively Saints players. I think the, the Ds defensive group was really impressive for me against Freo, and I think that's where they'll probably win the game. They'll probably restrict St Kilda really well, so I'm going to go, go Ds. The, the supporters know where... Marvel Stadium Well, they, they didn't turn up. There was 21,000 um, supporters at the first Melbourne game. They've only they been had... averaging 19,000, so they're yeah, but, for that game. But then you had the Essendon Hawthorne match on where they were wanting to move it so they could get 50,000 to the game. They only had 30-odd thousand, but they wanted 50. So the D supporters don't believe just yet. So maybe if they can win this week, they'll start to really... Might be snow on the Alps <laughs> this week. So early, who knows with the crazy weather at the moment. But, uh, yeah, maybe the supporters are just wanting to see a bit of early form before they jump on board. If you're listening to this, Melbourne supporters and North Melbourne supporters as well. I know North is not playing at home this week, but get to the footy. Get behind your team. They need you. You want to keep them in Melbourne. Do the right thing. Show some passion. Gents, you've shown plenty of passion on this podcast as always. And punters, hopefully you've been enjoying Inside 50.